0: Well, that didn't go well. Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Paul Calvisi joins me. We get his perspective on a 27-0 loss at Cleveland. Nothing went right for the offense. The defense, they played okay. And not all that went wrong offensively falls on the shoulders of quarterback Clayton Toon. Yet, we are left to ask, is help on the way? In other words, is Kyla Murray making his season debut this week? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 695, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2.
0: Buda Baker, what heart, what breath. This guy's unbelievable.
1: Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
0: He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealou. So where do you want to begin, Paul? How about we begin at the very beginning because I've got to know there was a little bit of a breaking news during the Arizona Cardinals NFL kickoff show because I was informed by our colleague Darren Urban that perhaps Danny Sarek would be on the sideline a little bit more than her typical pregame huddle routine. That was because we were missing a play by play voice. <laughs> Okay, first off, it's your show. Don't
1: ask me where I want to (laughs) go. Number two, uh, where was Dave Pash for the entirety of the pregame and even into the beginning of the actual game broadcast leading up to kickoff? Now, he was there for every single play, thankfully, uh, and the Red Sea was uh, thankful for that, no doubt. But yes, he had a few travel issues. Not all that easy. In less than 24 hours to get from Stillwater for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, to Cleveland, he had to leave that morning, and there was a flight delay. And if you want a specific reason why the flight was delayed, there was a busted bathroom, a lavatory that had to be tended to, and so he sat on the tarmac, and it made for a lot of drama. Then the car service he had lined up. Apparently, the dude bolted because the flight was late, so then he had to take an Uber, and then they wouldn't let him anywhere near because all the exits off the freeway were jammed with fans, and then apparently, he had to get through to Brown's security to wave him through so he could get anywhere near the perimeter of the stadium, and then he made a mad dash for the press entrance.
0: Yeah, it was segment two when typically we hear Pash and Wolf talk about the broadcast. Instead, segment one, we heard your voice coming out, but Dave Pash did give a shout out to Brown Security, Cardinals personnel as well to get them up into the booth just in time for kickoff. Though, you wonder, would it have been better for Dave Pash, maybe for a lot of us, to be stuck on a tarmac and waiting as opposed to be in attendance and watch what we watched, a 27 nothing shutout loss to the Browns. Yeah, that
1: was an all-time struggle. There's no doubt about it. And we didn't have great expectations, but I don't think we expected that sort of futility either. Nothing worked. They couldn't get anything rolling. And if you want more evidence that a game is won or lost at the line of scrimmage, this was a really good case study because the Cardinals... That offensive line could not keep the quarterback clean. They couldn't create any running lanes. That Cleveland Browns top ranked defense displayed exactly why it was number one in so many different categories. It was a dominant performance.
0: Number one in total yards, number one in passing yards, number one on third down, number one opponent completion percentage. Those were the numbers for the Cleveland Browns going into week nine, coming out of week nine. Not only a shutout win for the Browns, but the Cardinals. 58 net offensive yards, 17 net passing yards, 41 net rushing yards, fewest total yards by our Cardinals team since 1955 when the franchise, Paul, was still in Chicago. It reminded
1: me a lot of the era between Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer where you had some really epic, inept performances – offenses where the quarterback just was not equipped whether it was the Max Hall days or the playoff loss 2014 at Carolina with Ryan Lindley I think that's a good comparison you brought that up 78 total yards in that loss that's what it felt like you know you're going against Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis in that Carolina defense in the playoffs in a you know terrible weather on the road and you just didn't feel like you could move the football and then the first Fatal mistake was enough to lose the game. And when Ryan Lindley threw a couple of picks to Luke Keekley in that game, game over. And so in this case, you turn the ball
0: over and what was it? They only ran five plays in Cleveland Territory? Six total. I went back and looked okay. this morning. Six total plays run in Browns Territory and the furthest they got in Cleveland Territory was the Browns' 40-yard line. So the moment that Deshaun
1: Watson connected on the 59-yarder to Amari Cooper and then later a 48-yarder, that just felt like a couple of kill shots that you could not overcome when they were able to flip the field like that and then cash in those deep shots. And it was remarkable watching Deshaun Watson. He was so inaccurate. It was so ugly on the short and intermediate passes. Then for him to throw up those two balls, that were especially that second one, in stride, against double coverage where Amari Cooper had a step uh, once again that violates Jonathan Gannon's rule do not let the opponent's best player beat you and Amari Cooper did it not to the degree a Jamar Chase did not to the degree maybe a Cooper Cup did but it was enough in this game where you couldn't generate any offense
0: whether you watched it on tv or listened to the broadcast there were several times listening to Passion Wolfley even at halftime 13 nothing the offense could do nothing at that point the Cardinals had only run two plays in Browns territory. Yet you're only down two scores because the defense is keeping you in the ball game to your point. Deshaun Watson wasn't doing anything. The ground game of the Browns wasn't doing anything. The defense played okay, but well enough to keep you in that game until that fumble, the strip sack, another turnover and the Browns capitalized with a Deshaun Watson to David Njoku touchdown to make it 20 to nothing. 8 minutes to go in the third quarter. At that point, okay. It's hard enough to get in the red zone and score one touchdown. Now you need three touchdowns. And with Clayton Toon and that offensive line, it was just not going to happen. It's not. And the team needs to believe in the quarterback. team needs to
1: believe in the offense's ability to score. And by the second half, it was apparent it wasn't going to happen. Now, did the defense play flawlessly? Hey, they only gave up, what, 2.8 yards of carry? Season best defensively. Yeah. Yep. Number two running attack, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, So that was good, but in the red zone, they allowed three of four to end up in the end zone, 326 total yards. Okay, that's respectable, but again, Deshaun Watson was really off much of the game, especially in those short passes. And then you had zero takeaways, and this was a Cleveland offense that had given the ball away 17 times. They led the NFL with 17 turnovers. You can generate a single takeaway. That would have gone a long way, obviously, especially against an inaccurate Deshaun Watson it was interesting I heard a couple of Cleveland sports radio guys after the game and their theory was that because all week Deshaun Watson had heard "Jesus, oh, geez is he gonna have enough zip on the ball is he gonna have enough velocity on the ball what's the shoulder like a lot of speculation could he throw the ball outside the numbers could he throw the ball downfield well not only did he answer those questions especially in the deep shots but maybe he victimized himself On the short pass game, especially in the first half, where so many of those balls were just nosedives into the turf, behind a receiver, because maybe he was overthrowing the ball. Maybe he was throwing fastballs when he needed a little touch, because maybe he was dead set on proving everyone wrong. No. I got the velo on this cannon. I can still throw the ball, and it might have worked to his own detriment because he didn't have much touch on the ball, especially those short
0: completions. You mentioned the two big plays by Deshaun Watson, 49 and 59 yards to Amari Cooper. Okay, outside of those two throws, Watson was 17 of 28 for 111 yards. That's less than four yards per passing attempt. So, again, was the defense great? No, but they were good enough and it comes back down to what we've been talking about now for the last five games, including when Josh Dobbs was your quarterback, and that is the lack of a passing game, a deep ball threat on offense. And does it all fall on the quarterback? No, but when you are the quarterback, you're the head of the snake. You're going to get all of the credit, all of the blame, and for a first career start, it was not a good first impression by Clayton Toon. But again, no James Conner, no Amari DiMercato, no Michael Wilson, no Zach Ertz. Your offensive line is playing with its third different starting left guard. Then you lose D.J. Humphries and Will Hernandez in the second half to injuries. It was a recipe for disaster, and that is with a capital D. Yeah, and He didn't get much luck either. He, he didn't
1: get Deshaun Watson's luck when that's second and nine from the 11, and he rockets a ball off the helmet of Dante Stills, and it ends up in the arms of Amari Cooper for that 11-yard touchdown pass. So he didn't have any luck like that or good fortune. At the same time, I, from what I could tell, the Browns were up. They were in the face of the receivers, and the Cardinals knew that going in. They were going to have to beat press man. That Jim Schwartz was going to, even though Jim Schwartz was much more aggressive and exotic maybe earlier in his career, with this Browns defense, he has enough talent that he doesn't always dial it up. He just lets the talent win out in this game, I think he did show quite a few different looks to a rookie quarterback. Makes sense. The old kitchen sink game plan. You know, let's 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 do a little bit of everything and make him think. And when he thinks, it'll slow down. And even Clayton Toon and head coach Jonathan Gannon, after the game, I asked him, what do you think your rookie quarterback learned from this game, from this outing, from his debut in a regular season game? He just said the speed of the game. At times, it looked awful fast for a Clayton Toon. There's there's no doubt about that. And to your point about the lack of a downfield passing game, again, he didn't have much time. He 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 basically was a one read guy, and either he got swarmed or he was looking to bolt the pocket. And so and a lot of that came down obviously to losing the battle in the trenches, and then obviously it only got worse
0: once you lost Will Hernandez and then DJ Humphreys. Next gen stats, Paul. Toon faced a pressure rate of better than fifty six percent, and he was only blitzed on less than 13% of his dropbacks, meaning the Browns were getting home with three or four, and that is not good when you have five offensive linemen, sometimes a six if you count a tight end in there. Cardinals on that offensive line were not winning their one-on-one matchups. The, one,
1: the longest completion of the game, which was to Hollywood Brown, yep, 14 four, yards, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, that was max protect. That was a seven-man protection scheme. And at that moment, yeah, you know, I think we all sort of said to ourselves, wow, maybe that should have been an adjustment earlier in the game. Go max protect. Because once again, I don't care who the opponent or the pass defense is, and the Browns are rated number one in pasty, Hollywood Brown's been winning his matchups. So you know, whether you want to throw bracket coverage on him because it's max protect and a defense, you allow a defense to do that in terms of the matchups, but that worked. And too often you know, Clayton Toon going into this game, what'd you hear in the locker room, Craig? And you talked to a lot of guys. I know I talked to Jonathan Ledbetter and he said on camera, I said, What do you know about Clayton Toon going into this game? Dots. Dots. The dude is accurate. You know, when he runs a scout team against the first team defense, he's accurate. He can fit the ball into tight windows. Now that first interception, obviously he airmailed Hollywood Brown. Yeah, you know, I think he's a little amped up. You know, there he is. All the intensity and the adrenaline flowing of his first NFL regular season game and but by the fourth quarter, he had settled down maybe just a little bit that if you would have gone max protect earlier in the game, maybe just maybe his accuracy would have surfaced a little bit more. We'll never know. And you were banged up. And by the end of the game, Kelvin Beecham's playing left tackle. And you had one guy left who hadn't played at all in the uh, on that sideline. So
0: you were in a dire situation when it came to depth. It didn't start. Okay, for Clayton Toon. I mean, his first pass attempt, Trey McBride, 12 yards. The very next play, Keonta Ingram, an 11 yard run. But that opening drive ends in a punt. And then from there, it went downhill. So there was at least a good bit of a good start, a decent enough start and then you wonder, okay, did the Browns go back and look at the film, the, the, the pictures, and okay, okay, this is what the Cardinals are going to do with a rookie quarterback. It seems very vanilla. Let's do this, and we'll see if they can adjust to our adjustment because after that initial drive, Cardinals were three and out six times over their next 13 possessions. They had no drive longer than six total plays. No semblance of a run game and now all of a sudden you're one-dimensional because you're down two or three scores, which makes it worse for a rookie quarterback, let alone if you had a veteran quarterback in there because you know exactly what the Browns are going to do. It just... I, I and We were talking with this with Rob Fredrickson on Cardinal Talk on Sunday because there were a lot of fans that wanted to see Clayton Tune. They had seen enough of Josh Dobbs. They were ready to turn the page. Okay, I get that. And okay, whether... On the road, Cleveland defense, okay. But how do you judge what we saw out of Clayton Toon, given everything that he didn't have at his disposal as far as personnel and the protection? Yes, a lot falls on his shoulders, but not all of it falls on his shoulders.
1: When he's the leading rusher with 28 yards on five carries, that's a problem. When you're three running back rotation, every single running back averaged less than one yard per carry. That's a problem. When the Browns defense had 10 tackles for loss, that just illustrates how the game was played behind the line of scrimmage for the Cardinals offense. There was too much penetration, too much dominance up front by that Browns defensive line. And you got a rookie quarterback making his debut. The degree of difficulty was off the charts. There's no question about it. At the same time, how much of that is on the quarterback, period, whether you're a rookie or not, to get rid of the ball, to make those quick, decisive reads? Find the open guy, be able to go past that first read. Too often he looked like he was a one read guy and then looked to bolt the pocket. But again, you know, we cited it, it could have been one of two things for a Clayton Toon in that game. Could have been Will Levis going out there making his NFL debut like he did a couple of weeks ago and he had four touchdown passes and no picks, or you could have been the rookie who was picked one spot after. Clayton Tune, Dorian Thompson-Robinson for those same Browns who, in Week Four, had three picks, four sacks, and a passer rating of 25.3 total yards, 166. So, it's one or the other. Usually, I mean, it was usually a polarizing, you know, effort out of a rookie quarterback making his first ever, you know, uh, debut. And you know, they, I can't tell you how frustrated they were at the offensive pass interference against Hollywood <sighs> Brown. Everyone saw the video; it was glaring. It was darn near criminal. It was so inept, that call. And that was maybe his best pass of the game. You know, you think about it, that was where he actually layered that ball in and found Rondale Moore, and that was a chunk throw, and it would have got the Cardinals a little bit of momentum and got him on the other side of Cleveland of the 50-yard line, and it was all wiped out. And now you're behind the sticks to boot, and the coaching staff was furious. Unlike I've seen him to date, they were absolutely be out of their minds with anger at that call, especially because it was right in front of the Cardinals' sideline. It was right there. Everyone could see it. It was a non-call. There was no infraction. So, we'll see. it. Obviously, the Cardinals are going to cement that to the league. Will anything happen a consequence? No. Absolutely not. But, uh...
0: It was vexing. It was frustrating. Middle of the second quarter at that point, Cardinals down 10-0. You're looking at a third and four, a great route by Rondell Moore, 26 yards wiped out by a Hollywood Brown offensive pass interference. It was a great route by Hollywood. He had two Browns defenders run into each other. That was the pass interference. It was the Browns players running into each other. And, yes, you can't challenge that because it's a judgment call. But this is another instance in which you go back into the offseason, that eye in the sky, that official in the booth where you radio down and say, you know what, pick that flag up, that was an incorrect yep. call. You can't challenge it, but again, Bill Belichick says, hey, let's. we need to be able to challenge everything. Well, the prolonged games or whatever, but when you have an, a penalty that is that egregious that we can all see in real time, certainly in a split second when you see that replay, Okay, you huddle everyone up. Mistakes happen. I get it. We're all human. Pick up the flag, let the play continue, and you move on. Booth assist.
1: The week before Amari De Mercado. Perfect
0: and perfect, yeah.
1: Thought he had a first down. Oh, wait a minute. They're moving the ball back half a yard. Why? Where did that come from? Why on a delayed basis did all of a sudden you re-spot the football? Well, the explanation to the head coach Jonathan Gannon was Booth assist. I agree with you. There needs to be more of that. There needs to be when there's something egregious like that. It it needs to be few and far between. But when there is something that absolutely stands out like that bad spot, it went against the Cardinals, but it was the correct call. In this case, yes, there needs to be that official upstairs booth assist. Guys, you missed it. Let's correct it. Get it right. Nothing is is as important in the NFL and sports as getting it right. It's why we have video replay and other
0: technology assisting the officials, all in the interest in the name of getting it right. Did not get right, and the Cardinals did not get right. 27 nothing. the final. And now the big question is, Paul, which I'm going to pose to you, is, okay, what happens this week? Home game, Week 10, Atlanta Falcons. The window closes on Wednesday, November 8th. Kyler Murray, a decision needs to be made. He needs to be added to the 53-man roster. If not, his season is done. Now, you had him, doesn't mean he's playing on Sunday. You can certainly make him inactive. But here's what I'm hoping happens this week. Either Monday afternoon at 2.45 or Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., the next two times we hear from Jonathan Gannon, who, post game you asked the question, he was asked by reporters in Cleveland as well, was not thinking at that moment about Kyler Murray and whether or not to answer that question, which I get. Postgame, fine. But what I don't want to have happen is what we've seen now all season long where we do not know. Fans deserve to know, especially this week, especially after what happened on Sunday, is it Kyler Murray or is it not Kyler Murray? Make the decision early in the week. Don't wait this out, not until Friday. Saturday evening, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport with that late-night tweet, and we all find out Sunday morning. Make that decision known either Monday or Wednesday morning.
1: Well, the old Clint Eastwood line, I forget the movie, deserves got nothing to do with it. <laughs> that is true. So I, I don't know if we can use the word deserve. Now, obviously the Red Sea, uh, they've earned it. And you know what? It would be exciting. It would be like hitting the big red reset button. Kyla Murray's back. It feels like the start of a new season. We don't know that as of this recording. When will we know that? I mean, there's no chance that he's just left on pup and shut down the rest of the season, right? I mean Zero. He he will be activated. The question is, will he play? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is I think we just looked at a case study as to why it should happen. Deshaun Watson, and keep in mind this is in context that he is fully healthy and has been cleared. And that was the case with Deshaun Watson. You talked to a lot of the Browns folks who cover the team on a daily basis. The team doctors cleared Deshaun Watson. It was a matter of him feeling confident enough to go out there and let it rip. So look at the Deshaun Watson case study we just witnessed. He went out there. Was he 100%? No. Did he have an injured offensive line? Yes. Early in the season, they lost their all-pro tackle Jack Conklin. They had other injuries during the game. Jedrick Wills. Yeah, that looked right. bad, too. Yeah. DeWan Jones went down. I mean, his starting tackles went down at different points in that game. They're missing a Pro Bowl running back in Nick Chubb, just like the Cardinals have been without James Conner. But you're a highly, highly paid franchise quarterback. If you can play, you do play. And then it's your job to find a way. Was it ugly at times for Deshaun Watson? Absolutely it was. Did he look totally rusty at different moments? No doubt. But eventually, talent won out in that game. He made plays that won the game, and he, the guys around him rallied. That's what happens when a franchise quarterback is out there. What happened in the Chiefs' win, big win, Frankfurt journey against Miami? The Dolphins decided, you're not going to complete a pass to Travis Kelsey, basically. So Mahomes went out there, he found nine other guys, involved nine other receivers, and found a way to win that game. That's what you do if you're an elite quarterback, highly paid. So this is that week where it would seem to make sense. Kyler Murray, here you go. Come on in and assume the rain, especially after a game where you had 58 total yards. Guess what? This fan base, this team, is going to appreciate you more than ever if you're able to come back and rally up this team and generate some offense.
0: Might not be uh, deserved, but how about this fan base needs that injection sure. of life after six straight losses and wondering all offseason about Kyler Murray. And now you can say, all right, he's going to play. He's going to start. Now, let's not get over our skis and think he's going to go for 400 yards and five touchdown passes in week one. There is going to be a learning curve. I just want that announcement either Monday or Monday or Wednesday morning, and not being dragged like we have for the past couple of weeks in the name of gamesmanship, which I don't think exists at this point in the regular season with some of these defenses and the defensive coordinators.
1: So what if your starting offensive line, left to right, is Kelvin Beecham, Dennis Daly, Yelda Froholt, Carter O'Donnell, and the rookie Paris Johnson Jr.? Should that make a difference? Should that delay things yet another week. What if James Conner is not able to go? What if Amari DiMercato didn't practice the entirety of the week leading up to the Cleveland game? What is his status with a toe injury? What if you're left with a running back room again of Keontae Ingram, Tony Jones Jr., and who am I forgetting, Corey Clement, none of whom were effective in that game against Cleveland. So how much does that figure into the decision? Once again, to me, it shouldn't. You're a franchise quarterback. You elevate everyone around you. You devise a game plan that takes into consideration the talent around you. And especially against an Atlanta team that isn't the number one defense in the league like Cleveland, I'm not sure you're going to pick a better spot. Now, I don't, if you can play, you should play. I don't care who the opponent is. But in this case,
0: uh, if you're trying to account for the opponent, well, then this is the week. And if you have to, you change things a little bit. Yeah, we always talk about being under center, but perhaps if Kyler Murray is not quite 100% comfortable and confident in that aspect within this offense, then okay, you play a little bit more shotgun and you tailor to what the quarterback does best. That's what we've heard from Jonathan Gannon and Drew Petzing when you had three, four quarterbacks in that room. We're going to tailor to what these guys do best. And if Kyler can give you... On a scale of 1 to 10, he's right now at a 6. Okay, well, that's better than anything else you have in that quarterback room. And you're right at, you're at level 6. This is what he's comfortable with. This is what we're comfortable with. And then you move forward. And then each week, you add to that level. At some point, you only get so much out of practice, right? I
1: mean, you're wearing a non-contact jersey. At some point, you got to rip the Band-Aid off. you got to get back into a regular season game. What did Garrett Williams say? He hadn't played football in a year. Uh, But at some point, you're not playing football in practice. You're not tackling full go. So you have to go in there, got to experience it. And it was a wild roller coaster ride, his debut at Seattle. Even included a big splash play in the interception. He got a lot better against Baltimore, graded out a lot higher. It's just the way it goes. There's only one way to get better at football, and that is to play football. And anybody in that locker room will tell you, you can only simulate football so much, especially in the regular season. And even when you are playing an exhibition game like in August, you see how different it is for a Clayton Tune. So there's only one way to get better at regular season football, and that is to play regular season football.
0: Glad you brought up Garrett Williams as I take a look at the final defensive stats One pass defense by the Cardinals' defense, and that was by Garrett Williams, who went to that fine institution in upstate New York. Yeah, I'm going to drop Syracuse University once again because that's what I can do here on Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, some flashes defensively. As a whole, this this is a game, Paul, to where, as Cotton Fitzsimmons' longtime Suns head coach and Suns employee would say, we're just going to flush it and not even bother and just move on to the next game, the next practice, and say, you know what, that's behind us. We're opening up a new door. It's a new week. What do you got here in Week 10? Well, Garrett Williams, you know what, I'm
1: totally on board with Garrett Williams, and that triangle that Nick Rollis talks about, of Buddha Baker, Jalen Thompson, and then the nickel corner now, Garrett Williams. That is something that you can definitely build around going forward. There's no doubt. That is definitely a foundation piece right there. Although I I got a lot of blowback in Cardinals underground. You've heard of the Bermuda Triangle. I was trying
0: to nickname it the Buddha Triangle. But then you're singling out one of the three. I know. It needs some work. I'll figure it out. But I I like where you're going. I I like the premise. We just need to...
1: Brainstorm a little bit more off of that. Here's where I'm going with this. Despite your stumping for the Syracuse alum, Garrett Williams, he is not winning this week's Angry Bird Award. It is being given, to as outstanding as I thought Buda Baker was. He was victimized, part of that big deep shot towards uh, the end right there. You know, he can't play a perfect game, but he stood out with 10 tackles. Uh, he was flying all around the field. He made some touchdown-saving tackles. But you know who I'm going with? Big 95. Lucky foe, two who had five tackles from that nose position, he had half a sack, he had two tackles for loss, he had a quarterback hit. He was a problem throughout that game. And that run game for the Browns that came in number two overall in rushing did not wreck that game. I thought Leckie to with Jonathan Ledbetter and Dante Stills right behind him, that was really, and we talked to Jonathan Ledbetter after the game, he's an outstanding interview, and I, he's one of those guys who really is evolving in one of the voices in that locker room. But for this game this week, our Angry Bird Award winner for the most talacious play or player goes to Big Lucky Fotu.
0: I like it, and I like what that defensive line was able to do against that Cleveland Browns rushing attack, and then you throw in the fact that Kevin Strong left that game for a little while, and then all of a sudden you have to figure out a rotation. But Dante Stills, sixth-round draft pick out of West Virginia, yes, Ron Wolfley's alma mater, here's someone, second straight week with a TFL who has seen his playtime increase and now all of a sudden as you look ahead whether it's next week or next season you found something there I think in a young player who has taken advantage of the snaps taking advantage of the fact that LJ Collier is done Carlos Watkins is done and it's that next man up mentality what do you do when you get that tap on the shoulder say kid go in there well he's producing. It's the opportunity
1: that they need to really embrace. I mean, think about if you played for, oh, I don't know, the San Francisco 49ers. Think of the talent they have on that defensive front, right? If you put the Niners defensive front into a draft with a Cardinals defensive front, how many Niners players would GMs take before they took a single Cardinals player? That's how loaded the 49ers are. So at this point, guess what? You're looking for dudes that gonna exceed expectations, and I think these are the sort of reps, especially for Adante Stills and Aleki Foto is in a contract here, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. You know, they, this is a critical stretch right here, and those guys keep balling. Doesn't matter what's on the scoreboard; those guys keep bringing it. And at times, the rotation gets real thin, and they're logging a lot of snaps. And guess what? Time of possession was lopsided. 36-24, to 24, basically. So those, there were times those guys came to the sideline,
0: and they were gassed. Yet another reason why they get the Angry Bird Award. Defense on the field for 73 total snaps, and you brought it up. Almost 13 more minutes on the field than their counterparts on offense. By the way, you bring up the 49ers. Did you know that they were big winners in the NFC West this past week? Explain that, please. They were on a bye. They were on a bye. They did not win, but they did not lose. The rest of the division, not only did they lose, they did not look good. Wow. Cardinals 27-0. Seahawks 37 to 3 at Baltimore. Rams 20 to 3 at Green Bay. So yeah, the 49ers, big winners in week nine. It was remarkable after the game. We're like, oh boy. Cardinals went
1: one of twelve on third down. Guess what? Seattle went one of twelve on third down against that Baltimore defense with their starting 2022 Pro Bowl quarterback, Geno Smith. They somehow went. One for 12 on third down. It wasn't no stinking rookie making his debut that led to that sort of futility. So, man, did Baltimore whip up on the Seahawks in that game. In fact, Baltimore is just and Cincinnati have feasted on the NFC West this year. I know Cincinnati's 4-0 against the division.
0: By the way, the Cardinals played the Ravens better than the Seahawks yep. played the Ravens on Sunday. No doubt. No doubt about it. And, and now you get... Look,
1: you still have some games on this Cardinal schedule. You you still have to go on the road to Pittsburgh and and complete that AFC North. You still have to go to Philadelphia. Don't forget
0: about Chicago, Paul. All these nice, warm weather cities that you get to visit in the month of December.
1: I'm talking about teams instead of necessarily uh, (laughs) venues. And then you have Houston in a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, what C.J. Stroud did, five touchdown passes wow, that's uh that was unexpected and that is so disappointing for the Cardinals oh. when it comes to their first round draft pick what CJ Stroud right now is doing pulling the trigger for the Houston Texans.
0: yeah, the Texans are not helping the Cardinals they are four and four they'll be or the Cardinals will be in Houston on November 19th, November 19th. But again, this week, it's Atlanta State Farm Stadium. 205 is the kickoff. 930 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. It has not been a good 24 hours for the Cardinals, but I do want to end this on a positive note, Paul. And again, give you the shout out because you were prepared to step in and fill the shoes of Dave Pasch, which you were did once before earlier this season. But a lot of inside baseball here. You do also, in addition to the angry bird, you are in possession of another animal, and that would be the dinosaur, which amongst our content and creative team has our weekly in-house award, and you were singled out for your work last week. And now I have to pay it
1: forward. Yes, you do. So I have a, I, I'm have T-minus 11 minutes till I have to figure out who gets the award. Okay, let's hash this out. Do we have 30 (laughs) seconds? Sure. Okay, so here, let's weigh in on this. I'm thinking, just between us here in the studio, thinking about Darren Urban. Thinking about Darren Urban, it's not easy when you have a losing team to go in, talk to guys on the record, you still have stories to pursue, you still have angles to write, and you have quotes to obtain. And it's not easy. Uh, I was in that losing locker room, but my interviews were on air. (laughs) And so those sort of happened, you know, whether uh, I wasn't going up to guys' lockers. and. Oh, uh, can I happened? ask you a couple of questions? You know? <laughs> and, 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 it, and those are tough locker rooms. They've been ultra tough. So, uh, you know, Darren, <sighs> begrudgingly, I'm trying to, it's sort of like, you know, the angry bird or I'm trying to process elimination, but no, Darren, Darren's still standing at the end of this one. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter that he's done it for three
0: decades. You know what? He still earned it. Does it matter that we kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of answer to Darren within our department? I mean, <laughs> is that where you're going with you're this? You're saying Paul? There, there's an ulterior
1: motive? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're saying that uh, okay, I'm, I'm not only paying it forward; I'm paying it up the food chain. Yeah, is you is that what you are yeah. saying? I like okay. that. That there maybe Are you insinuating it's self-serving? Is that what you're saying?
0: Oh, I'm not insinuating. <laughs> okay. I'm basically you're, calling you out. You're accusing. <laughs> okay,
1: I got gotcha. you. Oh boy, so uh yeah, in fact, I gotta go up there and fetch that uh that dinosaur. I don't know who came up with the dinosaur, but um, yeah, there you go that's that's that that is behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain a little bit.
0: hey, I gotta do something to yeah. uh further distance yep. ourselves from what happened Sunday in Cleveland. And on that note we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always special thanks to our executive producer Jim Almahundro, our associate producer Cody Fincher. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.